Well, uh, good to see you all. It's uh, exciting to continue in our series. We're working through the first 12 chapters in the book of Genesis in our origin series. And we're just starting here this morning in chapter 2. If you wouldn't mind uh, turning with me there now, whether a Bible in front of you or one you brought from home, shouldn't be too hard uh, to find as is at the beginning of the book. And really this uh, emphasis this morning just in these first three verses is obviously on God's example that he set for us of rest. It's a big deal to him. It should be a a big deal to us. It's kind of ironic that somewhere along the way, it's kind of become one of the areas that we've given ourselves permission to really slack in. In fact, it's not often in a church setting that you hear somebody brag about breaking one of the Ten Commandments. You don't ever hear someone be like, yeah, this week, you know, I I really, man, this guy really irked me, and so I, I killed him. Or you don't really hear somebody say, you know, I, I, I'm really trying to work on this, but this week I was stealing a lot of stuff. Like nobody brags about those things, but how often in a short conversation you might ask somebody how they're doing and they're like, oh man, I am just so busy. I am just so tired. I haven't taken a break in weeks or months. And really we use it somehow along the way. It's become like this almost bragging right. We associate value with busyness. It's a badge of honor, unfortunately, in our culture, and it, and it pushes against the grain of God's initial design. In, in fact, it wasn't ever just a, a suggestion. In fact, if you haven't seen the Ten Commandments, this is the description initially. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days God, the in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's a charge for us to live by. And a lot of people might say, well, is that really relevant for us still today? Have you ever heard that conversation? Somebody wonders how some of these Old Testament things relate. And there's really three lines of thinking or three thoughts on this, in case you're wondering an entire Christendom, where they land. There's three different kind of groupings. The first grouping would still hold to the fact that, hey, this, this intended law is something we're, we're still to, to keep today. And there's really three religious groups that still hold to that, the Seventh-day Baptists, the Seventh-day Adventists, and Chick-fil-A. Really, those are the, the ones that hold to this, that pattern. The second line of thinking is a second group. And this is the people that would say, you know, these were specific for the people of Israel, and they're no longer, since we're no longer under the law, we're no longer under this expectation. That's another group of people would hold to that. Probably the most common view in evangelicalism is this third one. It's held by most today, is that it may not be mandated, but it's unwise to cast it off completely. Much of the law still benefits us today. So you can wrestle through what's your conclusion about that. I would say that I kind of am a hybrid between one and three. One and three. One is the one that says, no, this is still an expectation. And when I study this and when I look into this, when I see that it made his top 10 list, 
You're kind of like, uh, that's not like some of the other random ceremonial things that were specific to the, the nation of Israel in that day. In fact, it seems pretty specific to be a part of the moral law that's an ongoing expectation for all of us. So ceremonial laws were specific to things that they did like that were weird nuances. And there's ceremonial aspects of this Sabbath idea that you're like, yeah, maybe that's not still necessary. Maybe it's okay to still make a fire on the Sabbath. You know, maybe it's not appropriate that we execute somebody when they break the Sabbath. You know, some of those things we might do away with, but the moral intent of it, I would hold, hasn't changed. In fact, God's design, when he had the opportunity to speak to Moses about the commands, I find it interesting in Exodus 31, 12, he makes this statement. He says, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. Above all. He elevated out of all the different lists of things. He said, because he knows what's best for us and how we're wired, how we're designed. He says, above all, I want you to keep my Sabbath. So because of that, I think it's a worthy topic for us this morning. I'm excited to dive in. Let me pray before we get into this section of scripture. Lord Jesus, we invite you to speak to us through your word. That's why we gather each week. That's why we carve out this time because we believe that this book is still relevant in our lives today. It's part of the design that you've come up with, how to live life and live it abundantly. We ask that you'd speak to us now through this time in your word. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So chapter two, this idea of a Sabbath, the idea of Sabbath is cease and desist or stop it. But before we get to the stop it part, you see in verse one, a little picture of what we're coming from on the other side of an extended period or six days of work. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. Just wanted to pause just there for a little bit of a framework of our conversation. You have to get the work thing figured out before you can get the rest thing figured out. You see here the picture that it says that it was all finished. Anybody else like that feeling when a good work week is finished? It's done. You can look back. And in this case, it's talking about creation. It's a completed project. In other words, we're not a random uh, product of blind chance, but an extension of the brilliant mind of our God. He finished it. Some people might say like, yeah, but it seems like things are still evolving and changing, and that might be accurate. I would suggest that the present processes in the universe reflect God sustaining his completed creation. There's not more creation. There's not new things being made. There's adaptations, absolutely. Even you and I adapt to our environments, right? Anybody ever move from a cold climate to a warmer climate? My wife and I, when our family, we moved from Chicago. And uh, coming here, upon first arrival, we're coming from an environment where in the spring, when it would start to be like 40, 50, 50 degrees out, we'd be out in our t-shirts, we'd be in our shorts, we'd be running around, windows down, fully enjoying the spring. Now, after a very short period of time living in California, 50 degrees, 
I've got the North Face on. You know, the Ugg boots are coming out. You know, the, the scarf, the skull cap. Like, you're, you're like covered from head to toe because you're like, this is miserable how quickly our bodies adapt. Can we agree to that? So here, he's not saying that adaptation and change isn't start part of God's creative design, but the things that are coming from nothing, I think we can agree, have come to a halt. So he's completed his workday. For us, this is an example to be set, and I've spent a lot of different messages talking about an appropriate theology of work, understanding what the expectation, even as clear in Scripture in 2 Thessalonians, that if anyone's not willing to work, they're not supposed to eat. It's an expectation for us to be hard workers, part of our life, part of our design. And it's also intended, if I'm going to summarize what we've talked about before, it's also intended to be something that we find delight in. It's a, a gift. Yesterday, our little family is out serving with this serve day over at Seminole Springs, and I remember debriefing with them a little bit on the car ride home and just talking about, man, doesn't that feel good to like break a sweat, do some work, and you feel like you accomplished something? And my kids are like, no, not really. But anyway, I was trying to make the, the, the point that work can be a, a, a gift, can be a gift if we see it through the lens of, oh, I'm doing all things as unto the Lord. So that's a foundation. It's not intended to be something that we neglect or avoid. I saw this on, uh, on Facebook this week. It made me chuckle. The first thing I do when I get to work is hide. A good worker is always hard to find. But here's the intent of this is that we weren't supposed to avoid or hide from work. We're intended to dive into it and enjoy it as God's design. Glad you guys thought that was funny. Not really. Okay, so anyway, moving on. Chapter, chapter uh, 2, verse 2 says, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Stop there for a moment. When you think about that statement, you have to ask yourself, does God get tired? You know what I mean? Like, the, does God ever, like, is there a day at the end of the day where he's like, oh man, uh, Bill just wore me out this week. John, oh my goodness, I just need to rest. Is, there, is that really what's happening here? I would suggest that's not it. It's more setting the pattern or example for creation that would follow and it would then become part of the mandate for his design. He's setting the tone for his creation. He's saying this is how it works best. Parents, you recognize this. Sometimes you do things that are specifically a, a pattern and a design for your kids. You're knowing that you might not necessarily need to do it, but you're like, I want them to see this pattern for us. That's our God. He's saying, the way that I've designed you to work best is that after six days, you need a break. You need to slow down. And here's the thing that I found interesting in my study this week. What day was it that God created man? Anybody remember what day? It was real recent. We talked about it last week. Day six. Now this is day seven. Think about this. God's very first day of mankind in existence, he says, you know what? I think you guys need to rest. You're like, what? That, that doesn't make any sense. The reason it does make sense is because I would suggest, and Scripture points to the fact that we have it backwards. We think rest was designed to be at the end of a long week so we can recover from all we did. I would suggest that God says, no, you operate best when you have a full cup to begin with. 
when you have a full cup to begin with, when you have an overflow of connection with me, then you're able to go into the week ahead. Instead of us getting it confused, I'll do all this and then I'll, then I'll come back and get a little rest from God. God's saying, no, you operate best from a full cup, not an empty one. That's his design right out of the gates. He says, fill up before I give you the mandates and the charges that I have for you in creation. That's part of his design as to what works best. It's not just a, hey, this is a suggestion. This is a principle that works. And you think about it, for us, we're our very best version, the very best version of a parent, the very best version of a spouse, the very best version of an employee, the best version of all of that. You're more energized, you're more motivated when you're operating out of a full cup. If you take that to the next level, you also are way less prone to fall when you're operating with a full cup. Think about all of the different enticements that the enemy has for us. All of the things that he has appeals for us to fill up our cup with something that doesn't really satisfy. But when the cup is full, all of a sudden the enticements don't have the same lure that they would otherwise. Do you see what I'm saying there? So he's saying, start by filling up. It's his design. I've heard it said, in fact, Corey Tin Boom says, if the devil can't make us bad, he will make us busy. Because he knows that us, that cuts us off from the vine, our connection to the Holy Spirit and his leadership. So this is how God established it. In fact, it's interesting that our world calendar still all of these thousands of years later is still set on a seven-day week. It's still, it doesn't matter what religion you are, where, what your background is, where you live on the planet, it's still a seven-day week. And it's almost illogical because everything else we do is like in tens and, you know, like hundreds or whatever. But it only works when we do it the way that he has it established. I was reading in my study this week in 1793, during a revolution in France, they tried to introduce a 10-day work week to improve productivity. How do you guys think that went? As they tried this out, as they tried to implement that, first off, all of us would have revolted too, but in response to that, suicide rates through the roof, mental illness epidemic, productivity actually dropped on the other side of that. You know why? Because the creator designed it the way you were supposed to work. A lot of times we think of his mandates and rules as like, oh, why is he doing that? And he's like, yeah, I did that because this is how it works best. This is how, how we operate. That's our, our design. When we don't do it, it doesn't go well. I saw another study that was looking at somebody, the difference between what somebody gets done in 90 hours, a 90-hour work week versus a 50-hour work week. It actually diminished. The person working 90 hours got less accomplished than the 50-hour person. So the next time your job is calling you to work overtime, say, sorry, it's not going to get more done. Uh, maybe don't say that, but you get the idea here. <laughs> so when we go against the grain, we get splinters. When you don't, when you don't listen to this mandate of God's design, you burn out. There's more anxiety. Your irritability level goes up. It's proven that high blood pressure even is a result. Lousy immune systems, brain fog, spiritual doubt, sense of disconnect from God, social uh, social isolation, shallow relationships, all of these are on the other side of not taking a Sabbath, of not taking time to refresh and reconnect with our Creator. So 
for us. The takeaway is this. If you don't practice, I read this this week, if you don't practice a Sabbath, then illness or crisis will become your Sabbath. It's coming as delight or as discipline in our life. Isn't that so true? Anybody pushed this before? Just going too hard, too long, too fast, and all of a sudden, what happens? Your body starts breaking down. You start getting sick. Anybody ever gotten sick, and the only thing you can point to is because you're like, man, I just went too hard for too long. You see, God tells us this in his word, and then we experience it in our life. The result of that, his design is the best. So the person that says, are we released from this mandate in the Old Testament? That's kind of like saying, oh, do we have to stop obeying gravity? Like, no, this is the way he put it in place, and it's what's best for us, we see in verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work, that he had done in creation. So you think back to creation week, we've heard that word three times, blessed. The very first time it was used, it was talking about blessing the animals. Do you remember what the blessing was for the animals? The blessing for the animals was that they would have the, the gift of giving new life to other animals. Kind of a cool blessing. It was a good reminder for us that any new life is actually a blessing from God, not an obstacle as our culture has created it to be. It was a gift from God for humans. The same thing. He says he blessed them with the ability to multiply and the gift of sustaining and caring for the, the, the new creations or new life that was coming. So again, step one, it was new life was, uh, was a blessing. Step two, new life was a blessing. Now step three, the third thing that God blesses is not a person or an animal. This time he's blessing a day. Again with the gift of it being a source of life, being a source of life. It's a, a, it's a giving of life, and it should be seen as a blessing to us. There's no reason that we shouldn't by Wednesday or Thursday or Friday just be looking forward to that day of rest. On Monday, Tuesday, we should be reminiscing on how amazing that day of rest was. I don't know if it's a Sunday or a Saturday Sabbath in your life, but either way, it should be something that we look back on as something that was a delight in our life. I like this statement by John Mark Comer. He puts it this way, to not enter into this privilege is a foolish punt of our rights as children of God. To not enter into that, it's, it's, it's giving up something that was intended to be a design. In fact, the word Sabbath can be translated delight, something we enjoy, something we look forward to, something that's a blessing. I'll be honest, as I'm preaching this sermon, and maybe you're like this as, you're, uh, li- as I'm preparing this week, maybe you're like this as you're listening, is, man, there's a lot of convictions. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't do real great on this. Uh, definitely, anybody else, can, can we confession time? Is this an area that we could use some improvement? Okay, there's three of you. The rest of you are great resters, right? Okay, but here, here's the idea, is I was like, but the times that I do it, the times that I really take this seriously, always on the other side of it, what do I, I, I say to myself, I'm like, why don't I do this more often? Like, why don't I, why don't I look for opportunities to legit refresh and recalibrate? A couple of weeks ago, 
had a day where there wasn't a lot on the schedule. And so I'm like, you know what? Adrian had stuff going on. The kids had stuff. I'm like, you know, I'm going to just go out and find some things that are going to be refreshing to me. And so I actually took a, went in the car and went down, uh, headed down towards Zuma. And my wife and I are kind of different in this. I'm a windows down guy. She's a windows up girl. You know, she blames it on the hair thing. Uh, but, uh, but for me, I'm like, I find it refreshing just going with the windows down, wind blowing, worship music playing talking to God, seeing his creation. We went down, I had a, we had a, couple, I had a, a couple of these electric scooters. I'm going down Zuma and then sat for a while. And uh, I know you're like, that's a weird image. Uh, but uh, th- th- this picture of like, I just did things that I find refreshing. For you to ask the question, what would I do? What could I do for 24 hours that would bring me deep joy? What is it that you would say at the end of it? Man, it was very good. He intends it to be something that's a delight, not something that it's a burden. Oh, here's another rule to follow. I love asking someone in a conversation, hey, what's something that you do to refresh? What's something that invigorates you, that gives you life? Here's the other part of the formula that I wanted to point out to understanding this Sabbath. Is he says that, so God blessed the seventh day What's the second thing that it says that he, that he did? And made it holy. I think that's important for us to understand when we're trying to get a grasp of what a Sabbath is intended to be. He says that it's holy. And, and typically in Scripture, when you're trying to, in hermeneutics, when you're trying to figure out what a word means, it's so often you look back to the very first time it's used. This is the very first time that holy is used in Scripture. And this picture is this, is that it was set apart for God. So you're like, oh, well, what's a, what's a real Sabbath look like? It's a day that is set apart for God. It's him that makes it holy. It's him that gives us life. It's him that energizes. It's definitely a big difference between the rest God intends for us than the pursuit of leisure and recreation that we're familiar with. We probably have more leisure time and burning out more like light bulbs day in and day out because we're not necessarily taking this the way God intended, to delight in the Lord. It's different than self-centered recreation. A day where you're running errands, housework, watching some football, I would propose and scripture points to the fact that this is an illegitimate child of the intended Sabbath God designs. Again, John Mark Comrie says this. I like this statement. Don't confuse relaxation with restoration. How many of us, after a five-hour Netflix binge, can say to ourselves, wow, I just feel refreshed. I feel alive. I feel energized, man. I feel more connected to my God. I'm ready to take on this next week ahead like none other. The besetting sins that I've had, no more grip on me. Oh, thank you, Netflix. Honestly, who has made that statement before? You don't say that because really what you think about it, I'm not trying to go anti-TV here. I know that there's a time and a place, moderation, all of that. But really what we think is refreshing refreshment so often is just escapism. It's hitting the pause button on your life for a few moments, but guess what happens when you hit the pause button on a TV? What comes right back on? You're right back to the exact same life that you had before. For us to be a little bit more intentional with the use of our time, thinking through, uh, is this 
life-giving? Am I on the other side of this going to feel more vibrant, more ready to go into my week, more connected to the vine? Thinking creatively, what are those things? I don't know what it is for you. I jotted down a few different things that it, that it, that it could be. You can kind of wrestle through uh, what, the, what those are, whether it's uh, uh, taking time to enjoy a good meal, to enjoy what God's created. Maybe an afternoon of cooking might be a refreshing thing to you, whether it's uh, taking time to dance or play with the kids or, or doing these videos the other night with the kids and they're making this, uh, I don't know, some website thing that they do. I don't know. But just it was refreshing. It was fun. It was life-giving. I don't, I don't know whether it's sing, whether it's pray, whether it's laugh, whether it's reading God's word, whether it's having sex with your spouse. Make sure that was in there. And yes, I just said that in church. Tell stories, read, paint, walk out in nature, enjoy all the things that God has designed. All of these things have the potential. Play a game with the kids. Whatever it is, have potential to be life-giving. For us, the ironic thing is, is that sometimes getting some rest in takes a little bit of work on the front end, right? To actually think through and adjust, came up with a game plan that's actually refreshing for you. Thinking through that, establishing that pattern. It's kind of like flossing after you've done it for a while. It becomes easier and easier and natural. Not that I know that, but uh, here's the idea. This, this picture is what's in Scripture. Is Man, you do this and you will find, oh, it's a gift from God. It's not something that should be dreaded or pushed back again. It's the way that he's made you. It's the way that he's designed you for us to take him up on this offer. Some people will say like, oh, but you don't understand, Scott. You don't know how many things I am responsible for, what I try to accomplish in a week, what I have to get done. What are your, the, the, the mom's like, you don't know what it's like to care for these kids, like the, 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 the business owner. You don't know what it's like to run a business and all these employees. Oh, you don't, you don't know what it's like as the student to do the homework and play all these video games. Uh, you don't know what, whatever it is. The question is, Look at God's week. He created the universe and he still chose to elevate this as a priority. Rest is important for all of us. Here's the little secret I want to tell you. In fact, maybe you're, this is news to some of you. You're not that important. You're not that important. Here, in fact, tell the person next to you right now, this is news to them. You're not that important. Some of us needed to hear that this morning. Some of us find great joy saying that to your partner right now. But here's the thing. Here's the, okay, slow down, guys. Back it back in, bring it back in. Here's the, here's the idea, is it's, it's a gift. And what it really is, what it really is, is it's a trust exercise. It's a trust exercise. You're saying, you're saying, all right, God, I'm turning this over because you've said I need to. You said it's best to me. I'm going to give it back to you. It's an act of trust, and I'm going to live off the generosity of God. I'm going to live off of the generosity of God. And I'm convinced that his response to this, he'll fill the gaps. He'll fill the gaps for you. So what does it look like? It might be some realignment. Maybe on Saturday, you need to get the errands done. Maybe you need to get some of those pattern things that are like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. Get that out of the way so that legit one day or flip-flop it, so one day can be a genuine day of rest. I would suggest that church itself is a wonderful tool in that. 
You know, it, it meets all the expectations. Maybe it's why we were told in Scripture, don't forsake the assembly of believers, knowing that it's a wonderful part in establishing a day of rest. For you, my hope is that you wrestle through this and you see it as a delight rather than a duty. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this part of Scripture that our soul honestly longs for, that we so desperately need whether we realize it or not. God, my prayer is is that we would make the choice in the weeks ahead, the months ahead, to turn the keys back over to you for enough time to fill our cups. I'm convinced that this would drastically change what our days, what our weeks, what our months and years ahead look like if we trusted you in this specific area, if we operated out of full cups rather than constantly running on empty. God, we're excited to see how this works in our community when we become not just hearers, but doers of the word. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Jesus is calling. That's the invite that he's saying, man, come to me. And here's the thing. It's not something that you're going to just stumble on. You're not going to be like, man, I don't know. I just started the Sabbath. I don't know how it happened. It's so weird. It's going to take some intentionality. I gave the charge on Thursday night. I said, why don't you guys try this at least once in the next month? Just try carving out some time. And I said, shoot me a quick email and let let me know how it went. I had uh, one lady that shot me an email already. I was so excited about it. She She said, Scott, I took today, Saturday, off for the first time in years, as the nature of my profession rarely concedes. I enjoyed time walking the dog with my husband, meandering through an antique mart, and reading a favorite Christian book for the sixth time. I'm thriving in gratitude today and feel filled up, quite ready for the week ahead. In his spirit, Kelly. How awesome is that? That's the invite that we have. Let's live this out. Let's not just be hearers, but doers of the word. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.